What are we going to do with him if we can't find the owner? Your mom won't even let him in the house. Violet certainly had the knack for getting right down to the heart of the matter. We'll have to look really hard, Thomas replied, but Violet's question troubled him deeply. What, indeed, Thomas wondered, would he do with the dog if the owner could not be located? How on earth would he ever convince his parents to let him have a pet? His mother had made him a list of rules a mile long when she thought he might possibly win a goldfish at the third grade carnival. He didn't even win the fish, but his mother still insisted on keeping the rules taped to the back of his closet door. Thomas became so preoccupied that he failed to notice he was back at the witch's castle. The game had just broken up and Lewis and the and two of his pals were hanging out, looking for short boys to order around. Violet tried to nudge Thomas discreetly. Too late. Lewis had already spotted him. Your lunch was really good yesterday, Timothy. He could... But could you tell your mom to go easy on the Snickers bars? I'm thinking of losing a couple pounds. His name is Thomas, not Timothy, said Violet. Violet tried to sound polite, but not too wishy-washy. She longed for someone to finally stand up to Lewis and put an end to his tyrannical reign. Whatever, Lewis casually replied. Anybody feel like carrying my duffel bag home? I'm pretty tired. The request really didn't sound threatening, Thomas observed. It just had a persuasive quality to it. In fact, Thomas had already started running around gathering up the stray mitts and bats and balls and putting them into the bag when Lewis said the thing he said. I didn't, he didn't even mean anything by it. Really, it was just the kind of stuff he was always saying so that everybody would keep thinking he was really cool but this time he'd gone too far. That's really a useless looking dog, Lewis said, gesturing at the scruffy animal. You better not say anything bad about my dog or I'll hurt you, said Thomas, staring Lewis straight in the eyes. Violet's jaw dropped and she looked at Thomas in disbelief. Thomas himself was pretty shocked at the words that had tumbled unplanned out of his mouth. Even the dog seemed to notice something out of the ordinary was going on. Lewis looked at Thomas strangely and then asked Violet, almost as if he really cared, is he all right? Everybody waited nervously to see what Lewis was going to do to Thomas. It was clear he wasn't going to take the threat lying down. And then, as if on cue, it began to rain. Without any warning, buckets of water fell from the sky, accompanied by a clap of thunder and a flash of lightning that turned the air yellow. The effect was so startling that everyone forgot what they were doing and started running for home. Jackets and equipment were left behind in the scramble, and Thomas almost forgot his backpack. It rained so hard that the dried-out riverbed that ran alongside the property couldn't absorb any more moisture. The pounding water ate ridges into the slick into its slick surfaces, and a rushing stream started flowing along its path. The mud was so slippery it was difficult to stand, much less run, and Thomas's brand new shirt and freshly ironed chinos got so saturated with water he could barely move his legs. Give me your hand, Thomas yelled as Violet stretched out an arm to him. 
You're going to fall if you don't hold on. The dog circled the two children, barking furiously, keeping them together and trying to move them forward as if they were an errant flock of sheep. Violet lost her footing altogether and slid face down into a deep and muddy furrow. Thomas tried to help her up and immediately got dragged down with her. The dog encouraged them to get up by barking and pushing them with his powerful head. And the two, drenched, tumbled forward. Lewis was nowhere to be seen. The rain was coming down so heavily he could have been in, the, in front of their noses and they wouldn't have noticed him. And then it happened, just as Thomas and Violet reached what they hoped was a sidewalk, a deafening crack resounded right above their heads. Within seconds, a bolt of lightning slammed into the elm tree that had towered over the little street for more than a hundred years. A shower of sparks flew from the upper branches and the whole tree shook and a huge limb came crashing down. Look out, Thomas shouted. Without thinking, Thomas and Violet leaped out of its way and right in to the street. They didn't see Mr. McCarthy's delivery truck heading directly toward them, and Mr. McCarthy didn't see the two friends. He was having a hard time keeping the truck from slipping off the road and wiping his foggy windshield with his sleeve. It all happened so fast that when it was over, no one could say exactly what had happened, but in a flash, the dog had hurled his body at the children, sending them tumbling out of danger. The dog himself was not so lucky. In his attempt to save Thomas and Violet, he had been struck by the truck. Some instinct buried deep within had told him what to do, and he had listened. And then, just as suddenly as the rain had started, it, it stopped. The air smelled like damp towels, and the sky turned a friendlier-looking shade of gray. Mr. Thomas came rushing out of his truck to see if the children were all right. Thomas and Violet looked like scarecrows that had been left out in a tornado, but they were perfectly fine. Unaware of what had happened, they just wanted to find the dog. Here, boy, here, boy, we're over here, Thomas shouted and ran down the street back toward the empty lot. But the dog was nowhere to be seen. Violet searched the sidewalk, crossed the street more carefully this time, and hollered until, her, until she lost her voice. Their shaggy yellow friend was nowhere to be found. Then Mr. McCarthy noticed a soggy tail emerging from under the left side of the truck. He told the children to cover their eyes as he got his on his hands and knees and dragged out the poor animal. Is he okay? Violet asked. I'm not looking. Are you? Thomas replied. Are you kidding? She answered swiftly. Although seriously injured, somehow the dog managed to avoid being run over by the truck's massive wheels. Mr. McCarthy eased a piece of plywood under the dog. He had been saving it in the back of the truck for a new sign he intended to make for mostly McCarthy's, the little food shop he and his wife had recently established. He quickly covered the dog with a blanket and he kept tucked under the front seat. And with the help of Thomas and Violet, he loaded the animal into the back of the truck and sped away. Thomas and Violet sat motionless. They were terrified to move, lest they disturb the noble animal resting on the makeshift stretcher they held across their laps. A kindly old veterinarian, Dr. Doc Minderbinder, had an office about 10 minutes away, and maybe, just maybe, there was something he could do to help. 
Chapter 3, Disaster Even though they were going faster than they had a right to, to Thomas, the truck seemed to be standing still. Violet reviewed the basic principles of CPR, which she had picked up from the show she watched on direct TV. But she couldn't remember whether they applied to dogs. With the injured dog on their laps, Violet and Thomas agreed that the only thing to do was to keep still in case the dog had a spinal injury and stay alert in the event Mr. McCarthy issued any orders. With everything... With every passing moment, Thomas could see the life drain out of the dog. His breathing was uneven and labored and occasionally appeared to stop altogether. But as they turned the corner onto Doc Minderbinder's street, Thomas heard a soft groaning sound emanating from beneath the blanket. He's still alive, Thomas said gratefully. Let's get this show on the road. Mr. McCarthy swerved into the driveway and was already out the door and on his way over to help with the dog. Steady now. We've got to try to keep the animal, the dog, immobile. Together, they started walking toward the cheerful red door, which was decorated with stenciled paws, paw prints, and various sizes and colors. They were careful to avoid a bed of geraniums planted in the shape of a giant bone. As they approached the entrance, they noticed an announcement stuck to the window. Through this door enter some of the most beloved creatures in the universe, your pets. Doc Minderbinder had a reputation for being the kindliest man in Cedar Springs, but as Thomas was not permitted even the tiniest of pets, he had never encountered the revered veterinarian. Several years ago, he had sheltered the unusual species of ladybugs in his dresser drawer, but the bug never got sick. And anyway, Thomas doubted that the welcome of Doc Minderbinder's door extended to the insect world. Mr. McCarthy rang the doorbell, which produced a short series of computerized yips that sounded a lot like, here comes the bride. As they stood waiting, Mr. McCarthy turned solemnly to Thomas and Violet and said, Doc Minderbinder is a wonderful vet. He cured two of my son's gerbils and removed a fur ball the size of Idaho from my cat's throat. But he's not a magician. I want you two to remember that. Thomas felt a lump forming in his throat and swallowed hard. The dog had saved his life, and he wasn't willing to entertain the possibility of someone that someone couldn't save the dogs. The door swung open, and a squat, obese woman stood before them. She was wearing a sailor-embroidered hat embroidered with the words, I'm Nurse Leona, and don't you forget it. Perched jauntily on what appeared to be a completely bald head, her tiny feet were encased in enormous white platform shoes that elevated her to eye level with Violet. Come in, sit down, she said briskly. Leave the animal with me. She pointed to a gleaming silver gurney that smelled of alcohol and iodine. They placed the dog as carefully as they could onto the cart as the nurse twitched her huge round head in the direction of the cozy little waiting room off to one side. She handed Thomas a clipboard bulging with important looking papers to fill out. Questions later, answers now, she barked. Then, as if following orders from a sudden form, then, as if following orders from a suddenly remembered memo on 
appropriate nurse behavior, she her stern features erupted into a huge grin. Instead of encouraging confidence, the gesture had a chilling effect. Thomas decided her skills probably lay outside the boundaries of public relations. Humming cheerfully, she briskly wheeled the dog through a swinging door into the doctor's office. So far, that day had been filled with more adventure than Thomas had seen in his entire life. As he sat on a couch covered in faux Dalmatian fur, he caught his breath long enough to appreciate the irony of his current situation. For years, he had imagined how fun it would be to take his dog <clears throat> to the vet. Now that moment had arrived, it wasn't fun at all. It was sad and scary and filled him with a hollow sense of dread. That's where we'll stop. We're in chapter three on page 38. Have a great weekend.